you've probably heard a lot about Bitcoin lately, whether it's on the news, online, or because your weird mate Steve keeps banging on about how much his is worth. There's a lot of noise and information, and it can be hard to know where to begin. Coin Corner cuts through all the confusion. With an easy-to-use site and a friendly customer support team on hand to help, Coin Corner is a quick and easy way to buy Bitcoin in the UK. Visit coincorner.com and enter code FILMBTC at sign up for some free sats or small amounts of Bitcoin to get you started. Coin Corner. The Podfix Network. Hello and welcome to episode 232 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. Today, we are talking to the Emmy-nominated editor of the HBO show Mayor of Easttown. It is the fantastic Amy Duddleston. Myself and co-host Dom Lenoir sat down and had a riveting, fascinating chat with Amy all about her editing process. Um, she has worked on shows like The Killing, Dexter, Hunters, and obviously Mayor of Easttown, uh, which stars Kate Winslet, Julianne Nicholson, and Jean Smart. And we dive into the making of Mayor of Easttown. So if you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. It is amazing TV, amazing drama. And like Amy says on the podcast, it is pretty much like editing a feature film with each episode. Also on the episode, Amy goes into great detail about how she put the episodes together. The beginning, middle and end Sounds obvious, right? But it's not, because this is a detective thriller. So you can't give anything away, but you need to give hints and tricks and surprises. And she talks about her process, tone and genre, the director-editor relationship, how she cuts performances. She also discusses what it was like to work for HBO and why she loves being on set. So if you're interested in editing, and in the filmmaker-director-editor relationship, you're going to love this week's episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. Because Amy Duddleston is not only a delightful human being, but a brilliantly talented editor as well. So you are going to learn loads. As you know, I have just finished Wolves of War, my World War II feature film for Lucinda Rhodes-Takara of Picture Perfect Pictures and Signature Entertainment. And it's been a couple of weeks now and I managed to just settle and get back into the swing of real life. And I say real life because I've had to jump straight back into the sound mix for The Stranger in Our Bed, the thriller I made for Buffalo Dragons. And also I sat down with the editor of Walls of War this week as well to have a little chat about the assembly because he started yesterday, folks, on the edit for Walls of War, which is super exciting. But I wanted to talk about what happens when you do finish a film. What goes through your mind? Because interestingly, it, it is a bit of a loss. You're massively in the trenches in this case. Not literally, because we actually didn't have trenches in it. But you know what I mean. And you go through all that with this team and you're in this bubble. And actually we were in a bubble because it was COVID bubble. And then suddenly that's not there anymore. And I was talking to my missus about it, who's a, a psychodynamic psychotherapist. And actually it's a huge loss. 
It's like losing someone really important in your life. Maybe you've broken up with someone, maybe you've lost a job. It's that same feeling. It's really strange. You can still contact these people. You can still say, hey, hey, you know, oh, uh, can we talk about this? Can we talk about that? But actually, there's no need to talk to certain departments anymore in terms of the film world because you don't need the makeup department right now. You don't need the art department right now. But there's no one, there's no kind of support for filmmakers in this position. No one talks about that moment when you finished. It's just gone. It doesn't exist anymore. It's a it's a thing of zeros and ones on a digital drive, or 14 of them. And I think that's really interesting. And, and I, think, I think more people should talk about this because it is emotionally difficult. But how do you deal with the pain and loss? How do, you, do people do it? So I'd like to get in touch and let me know how you've dealt with it, what you did. Because people do go into that hump that lump where the, the the moment where we just sit in our rooms and we try and get over the filmmaking process and our loved ones don't really understand what we've been through and i think that's really important that we support each other during those times when someone's finished a film amazing they put it on facebook they put it on twitter and everyone goes yay congratulations another film in the can but we should support them even more after that moment and maybe just give them a call two three days later and just go hey how you doing how you holding up come on let's go for a drink let's go for a coffee Let's just talk on Zoom. What I'm saying is, let's support each other more. I mean, it's amazing we get to make films 100%, don't get me wrong. This is brilliant. But if you know someone's just finished, send them that extra text. But what I do, <laughs> the best way to get out of it for me, has been to jump into another film. And that film is Three Day Millionaire. Myself and Lucinda are producing this wonderful dark comedy for Jack Spring, the director Jack Spring. And we are six weeks away from filming. Um, we're filming up in Groomsby. So that has been my sort of way out of it. There's been a lot to do with the investors, with the paperwork, with the information memorandums and the shares in the company, which I have talked about a bit so far leading up uh, on previous episodes. And it's all hands on deck at the moment. It's all, all hands to the pump. We're casting right now. We're crewing up. So if you happen to be in Groomsby or that area, or you've got a base in Groomsby and you are a crew member, Get in touch, get in touch. Let us know what you do. And if we can collaborate, if we can work together, brilliant. I've got some shout outs for you wonderful people too. Uh, do you know what, the last couple of weeks, you lot have been absolutely incredible. So thank you, really, really thank you. I love it because it has been difficult and Tobias has been amazing editing these while I've been off shooting. And it's just so lovely to get so much lovely feedback from you all. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Foster Vox, shout out to you. Yale Roth, Michael Burnett Lowry, Kelly Jubilee, Gory Hole Films, Melanie and Paul, Adam Murphy, Jamie Benyon, uh, will probably be on the podcast very soon. Paul Romeo Mendez uh, and his short film Ruth is available now. Do go watch that. Uh, Matthew Sawyer and to the 48 Hour Film Project. It is starting up again. If you've not done the 48 hour film project, it is brilliant. It is really good fun. Everyone gets stuck in and you just have to make a film in 48 hours. It's great experience. So link to that is in the show notes. The 48 hour film project, Gideon Southwell got in contact. It is happening. We are supporting it. So look out for our tweets, etc, uh, etc, et in the coming weeks. Right. 
Let's get to this wonderful episode with myself and Dom Noir. I say wonderful, I don't mean that. I'm not bigging us up in that way, but I mean wonderful because she is wonderful. And myself and Dom Noir had a brilliant chat. I do want to say though, that I was in the sound mix for The Stranger in Our Bed during this. So the noises in the background, there's lots of explosions and bangs and stuff like that. There's not that many explosions in The Stranger in Our Bed, but you know what I mean. And my sound recording dropped out a little bit. So if it is a little bit fuzzy, Apologies, but you still get an amazing chat with Amy. So stand by, relax, whatever you're doing, get those earbuds in, get your bit of paper out, start writing notes. This is the fantastic Amy Duddlestone. Enjoy. How are we? Are we good, Amy? We're very good. We're good. very good. Hanging good. in there. How are you guys? Yeah, I'm good. Happy and healthy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I've just, just had a massive stir fry, so I've I'm, I'm got food contentment. <laughs> it's good no stomach grumbles in your microphone no, <laughs> no, no. which is always I below the microphone deliberately yeah <laughs> i hear them i'm always just like what the hell <laughs> you know you know you know a funny thing i i discovered um on the last film was was the the lip noise d smacker you know like the lip smacking noise and i'd never thought about it before and as soon as you're aware of it, you realize how many like, actors and, and, and people do that lip smack noise. And, uh, you know, I, I spent ages going through and removing like half of them, but then you got to leave a couple of them in because they're natural. Um, yeah. One of those things you, you can't take about. them all out, but you ha- but it's like everything like stomach grumbles. I'm like, ooh, this is, you know, they must have been close to breaking for lunch or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've just had lunch. There's lots of little burps. In the <laughs> or they just had or the detective's not hungry because they've got a lot on their mind. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Which is a perfect segue into Mayor of Easttown. Into Mayor of Easttown. And it is, do you know what? When when we got we got asked to do this, I was like, absolutely. I love Mayor of Easttown. I thought it was fantastic. Oh, good. And and was a huge splash in the UK when it landed. What, maybe three it weeks was. ago? It was. We were very surprised. Yeah. We were like ecstatic. I mean, we figured, you know, Kate Winslet. Well, I think I think we love HBO and we love detective shows, uh, and we especially love American detective shows. Like, <laughs> me, me, you know, especially me, I, I love all the That's kind of American good. crime uh, stuff. And I think it was just a it was a winning winning combo, and, and there was a lot of hype around it. That people are saying, "Have you seen Mayor of East Town? Have you seen Mayor of East Town?" So it was kind of a necessary thing to watch. It was definitely was. How did it feel for you then for it to? to sort of do this bash, because you must have been working on it for a while. You know, I mean, literally, I mean, it was a long journey for me because I started the job in October of 2019 and we were working and working and then it shut down on March 13th. We had two more months of shooting left and um, and luckily HBO kept me on. And so for um, we, they were like, oh, it'll be like six weeks and we're going to come back and it ended up being six months. <laughs> Because they had cross-boarded the entire show um, shooting, I had like seven episodes of varying sizes. And what I started to do was just go back through and re-edit everything. And we did a director's cut and a producer's cut of every episode. And we went through and figured out like, well, are we going to need this scene that you wrote? Are we going to, or do we need a new scene to go here instead of this thing? And, and, we need to fill these holes. And so it was like this amazing, um, actually, it was the silver lining of the, the pandemic that I had 
want the luxury of time to do all of this work and that we were able to kind of like hone in on what we needed and what was missing to tell the story. So that was great. <laughs> After the extended editing time that you had because of the pandemic, what were the what were the sort of benefits of that in, in terms of the story and maybe some things that you might not have been able to change, but you were glad you were able to? Well, it was really funny because there were certain things that, that they hadn't shot yet. Like Guy Pierce's character, like he, he Guy Pierce literally arrived on set the day they shut down and ah. went, had to go back to Australia. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> so we didn't have like Mare and Richard. So we were kind of like wondering like, how's that going to be when we have that? So we were kind of, we had to be very aware of things like that. Like the, the pieces that were missing, like it really changed when he showed up and like, those seeds started coming in. I was like, oh my God, Bear has an outside life now. Um, <laughs> so, but in terms of like, like some scenes got definitely more intimate, like uh, stuff with like Siobhan, her daughter, you know, she was supposed to meet this girl that, you know, the, Anne, the character Anne, uh, in a concert that they were all at and that nobody was going to be filming a concert, you know, at, at, during uh, the pandemic. So, it became a radio station and we just had to start thinking about like making things smaller. And mm. I really do think like thinking smaller helped our show because it just made it, I mean, it takes place in that little town and it just made it a lot cozier. You know, do, do you, do you think working on, on documentary had a big influence on your editing and, and also with, with Gus Van Sant, did, did those kind of, you know, documentary, you obviously it's a very different process in the edit. Mostly when I worked in documentary, I was like learning about the machinations of an editing room and in documentary, it's still very different because the editor is like trying to like create the entire thing there. And it, it, that actually seemed more overwhelming to me. I was like, I like scripts. Um, <laughs> So that really did. I mean, I was like, I don't know if I could ever do this job. I really don't. It's, it's still like super overwhelming to me to think that, you know, you have to like create the entire story and that you have this germ of an idea and you have to go through all of the footage and all of the interviews and all of the stuff. If I had like a million years to do something, it would be great. But I just, I love like scripts and I love a narrative thing. I really am drawn to that. What was your, what's your process then when you get, whether it's a script first, which I imagine now it is, but back, what was it that you learnt to do first? Was it, did you go through all the rushes? Did you, uh, do you sort of, what do you pick out? What is the thing that you think, ah, this is going to work? Like I was lucky enough to start back in the film days where we actually screened everything. And, you know, it was like I worked and prepared the dailies every day and then we watched them. And that was a very valuable experience to have because a lot of people don't even like watch their dailies. They, they just go through it and find all the moments. And so for, for me, it's like, I still go through and watch everything because I learned from Curtis and from Gus. It's like those, those little things that actors do that make their character special are just the tiny little moments that you're not going to find if you're just going through script sync and clicking on, you know, lines of dialogue. Yes. It's, that's not going to happen. It's just going through everything and making sure that like you've seen stuff and it's finding those little moments, you know, no. it really is. And I suppose that, that, that when you look through all of the rushes, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but when I, when I edit, I find it's like, it's trying to build this kind of map and you've got like 
some access to it and then there's there's everything in the background that's sort of sitting in in there and it's when you need to go back and you need to look for something that isn't supposed to go there but you've you've remembered it it's often those little moments you know in the in the off cuts or, or the the angles that you don't think you're going to use that might just turn out incredibly valuable no so. it's true it's it's like i was working on this show right after mayor very briefly but um it was there was a scene that was like missing some stuff and it was like where is that's the stuff i need and it's like you go into another bin for another scene and you're like oh i could steal that you know so i ended up watching the dailies for this other scene and thinking okay well if i took some a little bit of that and you know and then i made it work and it was like yay <laughs> <laughs> is there ever been a point when you've gone back to the director or the production and you said i'd really like you to shoot this like does yes. that happen very often yeah it does happen it does i mean it'd be great if we had this because maybe this would tie this together i don't do it often but there are times where you're just like are you going to be back at that set because you could just do this you know but it's not i you know that's when <laughs> I know they're going to be back at that set, which in television, most likely they're not going to be. It's like, unless they're at like Mayor's house, you know, like the giant set they built. It's like that I know, you know, they're not going to break down the next day. But yeah, location stuff, it's like, bye. Yeah, all the best. These days, especially with something like Mayor of East Town, are you uh, editing as they go so you can see things that they're missing? Right, yeah. right. And, and has that changed from obviously the film days when obviously you just get all the rushes at the end of the day and go, well, at the end of maybe two months or four months and then just plonk it on your table and go, all the best. Most of the time I am editing as they go along. I mean, that's usually how I've worked. It's, there's been a few times where I've cut like an indie movie that had already been shot and they hadn't hired an editor and, mm -hmm. and you're like, yeah, you should, you should have brought somebody on sooner. But that's just regrets of, you know, things you I, should have done differently. But <laughs> <laughs> what is it you it's trying to save money, you know, yeah. and I get it. I mean, I get it. It's, yeah. it's not, it's, it's a very big deal. And I've found that often when I have had an assistant editor on set cutting for me, what they have done is because it's sometimes looking at those rushes is painful because it's obviously not cut the way you want it to be yet it's all really eggy the sounds all over the place you look at it and you go oh my god this is terrible please no one see this um but what you will find there is you'll go or she will go you haven't got a hand here you haven't got reverse you haven't got this so i find that very useful but it's cool that's cool right yeah but often often on low budget indie stuff it's very hard to afford that and you know you've got to download all the rushes every day give it to them and then me as a director dom as a director a producer have to go and watch it <laughs> you know you feel obliged now because someone's sat in a room doing it no, like, yeah. and, and then like i've you know craig zobel will ask yeah. me you know the next day he'll just be like can you cut that scene together i you know we have like one more day here and i just need to make sure like it, it could be horrible it could be just like use all those shots and yes. see if it works and I, you know and i'm always happy to do that so so on a on a show like uh, mayor you're working for for hbo what's the process with them um you know, compared to, to other channels or other, other projects you've you've worked with? It's very different. They give you a lot of time to do your work, which is a beautiful thing. And um, it, they're very generous with time. So it is different. I mean, it's it's not television. It's HBO. Um, <laughs> it's my, my first show in television was Big Love. Um, yes. And it was an HBO show. And so 
I had only worked on films and I had never worked in television. And it's so different. Like, you know, the director gets four days on an hour long show to do their cut. And on a half hour show, it's two days. So I was just like, you know, turn it over two days after they finish or like one day. And then you work with the director for four days. And then it's like you work with the showrunners and you get a lot more time with them, of course. So that was a little mind blowing, you know, because that's a DGA thing where you have to director's guild where they get four days. The the end part is where you get more time on an HBO show rather than like a regular network show because it's like the air date hasn't been determined most of the time. Um, and that's kind of what they do. So so for Mare, I mean, our, our time up was more up front like during the pandemic. And then when they got back, when they finally finished shooting um, in December, 2020, and we turned our cut over on Christmas Eve, our, our editor's cut of all seven episodes. At midnight on Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Christmas. Really? You're free now. <laughs> no, it was like, you know, 4 p.m. on Christmas Eve. And then it was like HBO was kind of like, OK, now you because we had all of that time in the back, then they wanted us to kind of speed it up a little. So that was when I brought up uh, my friend and coworker. Uh, Naomi Filaramo to kind of help me with the cuts because they wanted them faster than, you know, normally they would on any HBO show. But because uh, if we turned something over in December, like normally you would have like, it would have been like June or July that you would have finished. And because we already had like, they're like, yeah, uh, how about like, you know, we need the first five episodes by you know, April something. And we're like, March, you know, we, we can do it. We can do it. <laughs> we can do this. Yeah, we can do this. Christmas is approaching. Christmas, um, but we did it, and uh, yeah. and really having all of that time, uh, you know, the back end, the front end uh, of shaping the episodes already was a tremendous help. And then yeah. all of the like the Guy Pierce story, a lot of the stuff, you know, I mean that giant scene, the set piece in episode five, that was something that they shot when they came back. So there were a right. lot of like big pieces, Ryan's confession at the end, that was a giant thing um, mm -hmm. that they hadn't shot yet. So there were a few big things that needed to be addressed, but that was, everything right. else was pretty solid. Well, let's talk about how you weave in something like this then, because I imagine the scripts come fully formed and the brilliant writers have spent a long time developing it, making sure that the audience has the little hints here and there. But as we all know, in the edit is when you go, ah, that hint's too obvious or there isn't a big enough hint here, right? How do you then as the editor, when you've got all this footage and you've got all the episodes potentially, or at least three or four, how do you then start thinking about weaving it in and putting your mind onto it and your magic as the editor? Well, it's really funny because I tried to approach it as like, I'm an audience member. So one of the things, you know, you're all, like, especially when you're telling a mystery, it's it's like, if you're ahead of like the detective, you know, the yeah. main character, you, you cannot get too far ahead of her. It was always kind of you always have to keep that in mind. Like our little, um, you know, the big cliffhanger things at the end, like that was, you know, Mare's going to find out, like as soon as you come back to the next episode, she's going to find out pretty quickly after like yes. that information. So we'd kind of like leave bigger things like towards the end of episodes, like, because you, if we got ahead of Mare, it's like, then you've solved the crime and <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Where's the fun in that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so it is a tricky thing, like doing a detective story. Um, 
And luckily I had experience working on those. It, that was not a thing. Mm-hmm. But, but the thing with Mare was like weaving the emotional drama in with the who done it. And so like the balance of all of those that became our thing. Like we kind of, and I've said this in other interviews that we did approach it more as like a, a family drama with a murder mystery thrown into it. So you were always with Mare, you know, whether she was like driving in her car or like, it's like we needed to see her, her figure something at like, we need to see her wheels turning and not mm. somebody else's, you know, like when John is like lying, like if you go back and you watch all of those episodes, it's like, it's all there. You know, it's all yeah. there. It's like they're just lying to her. Lies, lies, lies. Right. <laughs> you have to like see it through her. Like, oh, are they yes. lying? Yes. And that's what must be really difficult because you know the answer. So therefore you're trying not to go, oh gosh, is it too obvious? Am I putting too much emphasis on an actor? I cannot cut that person. Right? I cannot yes. cut to that person right now. Okay. I have to cut to Mayor going. <laughs> Puzzled face. Puzzled face for the podcast viewers. <laughs> it's almost allowing like these these kind of side plots these red herrings to play out a little bit and then letting that kind of tension dissipate so you kind of forget about it a little bit and then maybe exactly. going in another direction you're just reeling people in i mean it's it is it's 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 genre you know it's it's mm. it's so you're working within a genre you do have to reel people in you know and our show had a lot of reeling people in with like fishing. like Dylan and like all of that stuff where you're like, where's this going? And uh-huh. it kind of didn't go anywhere. And I loved it. Me and my missus and watched it. And the, the thing is, and at one point it must have been episode five or six, we went, well, who else could it be? You get to that point of going, who else could it be? And neither of us guessed. Neither of us guessed. And I think, and not to spoil it here, and I don't think we should, if you haven't watched it yet, honestly, you really need to watch this amazing show. Um, but if you have, you'll understand what we're talking about. I did not. I did not get that twist. You know, there were, there were so many other amazing twists in there as well that you sort of played with. And I love the stuff with the, you know, the, the shirt. You saw the guy's shirt in a shot earlier. And this isn't revealing anything because he's sort of, it's a sort of a semi spoiler halfway through and uh, then you as soon as i saw his shirt again probably i was like oh oh my gosh and it was it wasn't even the end twist you know um i loved all those little moments i was waiting for it i was waiting for these little lovely moments and and i think following it through mayor's eyes was just fantastic obviously because kate winslet is an incredible performer does that make it easier in the edit then no that that part was like as they say the embarrassment of riches i mean that wasn't like that part of my job was super easy. <laughs> it was like the hardest part was picking like the pieces because they were all good. But all of those actors, it was like they were all at their A game. And, uh, you know, when you had get that, it's it's amazing. It's mm. you're so lucky. How was it weaving the two kind of narratives? Because you had obviously the tragic, you know, miss uh misadventure kind of storyline that that i think you know is for for a show to be really memorable having a straight out villain without that kind of counter tragedy side doesn't quite leave you with the same emotional punch but then you also had the 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 sort of element of the the more traditional fbi you know killer sort of running through as well so it it was really interesting how you you balance those two but i mean how, how did that kind of play in your mind when you were editing it like mayor's story for me was really the show and so when you had like the cop elements, it was all kind of grounded through her. So I, I do feel like, you know, Zabel was kind of like a, a tool 
because he was obviously attracted to her in, in so many ways, just like she's, she's a tremendous cop, you know, she's interesting to me, like blah, 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 you know, and he had his own secrets, just their whole thing. But it's like, but they wanted to do their job and they wanted to figure this out. And, and, and for Mare, it's like, she'd made like a series of really bad choices. So she was kind of like, not, she was kind of got, she'd gone rogue. But Zabel was kind of, she's following Zabel now because, you know, but he's kind of following her. So, you know, that's, it was, it was, it was a tricky balance because, you know, and then in episode five, we have that giant set piece that is, is, you know, the homage to like Silence of the Lambs that our show was not like that at all. Mm. So we are introducing this element, like suddenly of, of like, peril when they when we finally got the dailies for that that was crazy uh and that, that was an interesting one for for pacing as well because you you, you kind of mixed the the really because often when you have someone die you know that they sort of linger it out and often it's a lot more shocking when it is just quick uh, and i think yeah. you you managed to get the balance you know very well between it feeling satisfying and also feeling a bit of a shock in a way it is it was shocking and also you know when we first cut it together, it was very long because, you know, it was like he thought, you know, she was going to be downstairs hiding somewhere and like, no, she's upstairs. But also, you know, he's kind of figured this out very quickly, especially when she sees the video, like like all of those elements. So what I tried to avoid a little bit was the woman in peril thing. It's like, you know, you don't, it's like there were three women in that attic at that point. They were all in peril. That's true. You didn't yeah. want, to, I, because our show wasn't that, you know, really, I wanted to avoid all of those cliches. And so we needed Mare to outsmart this guy sooner than later, but you really weren't sure how the hell she was going to do it. So that just became kind of like the focus of how, how are we going to do this? sooner than later you know it's like she had her phone still but she was injured you know um so i you know just like all those elements it was it, it took a while to put that that sequence together that was like our giant set piece and it was such a huge moment in the tv series itself but then you're also up against a time limit here you know in a movie you can all you can go well let's just and push this a bit further. No, you can't yeah. have it 17 minutes long. No. You need it to be like, you know, eight minutes long. It's got to fit the ad breaks, right? It's got to fit the end of the thing. And this was the end of this episode. So is do you are you finding that you do cut out a little bit earlier and are you sticking very much to the script? Or at this point, you've kind of, it's an action scene and peril scene, so therefore you can play. What's your process there and how much kickback do you have with someone like HBO, for example? Well, it was funny because we submitted it to them kind of longish and they were like, you know, we knew that they were going to say, keep trying, but. I had never have a problem with their notes. We kept trying. Yes. And uh, Craig and I had a version. And then, you know, it was like Brad and, and uh, Mark Royball, the producer, Brad Inglesby, the showrunner, and Mark mm. Royball. They took a big crack at it. And then it came back. And, and we all kind of did other versions. And we finally, like, I, I kind of stepped away from it and then worked on some other things. And I really feel like and Naomi took it over for a bit. And then when I came back, it was like, okay, you know, 
take that shot out, take that shot out, take it out. And then it, it was like, boom. And it was like, okay, this is, it's, it's like so much closer. And then my amazing um, visual effects assistant, Kate Winslet had a good note. It was like, if he could only be closer to her when she's going down the stairs, my assistant, Jimmy, like literally made a split screen. Split screened it. Yes. Yeah. And brought him closer. It was incredible. Like it was, it was trickery and we were kind of like. And that sequence felt so short and yet so long at the same time, which is why it was brilliant. You know, I mean, it was still creepy when he was chasing her in the old version, but like doing that little split screen trickery, that's all it was. It was a split screen. I mean, yes, it it was like at one point he had no legs, but it was. It is relevant right now. It's like it's, they can fix that. Yes, um, they can fix that, right? Surely, hopefully. <laughs> but you got the idea of like, you know, of what it was like suddenly there was a lot more, there were more stakes anyway, of her getting downstairs, yes. grabbing Zabel's gun. It was, it was that. So I, it was Kate and Kate Winslet's note. I mean, that was the thing. So I love that. And I love the fact that you said, you know, the, the trickery of it, because I, I totally agree. I think it's a, an immense art form editing that not necessarily gets overlooked, but doesn't get the love I feel it deserves. I feel you, people say you make a film three times, isn't it? A script when you're shooting it in the edit. I think the edit is massive because you can reshape a performance. You can shape the script. You can AD, you can do, you can do everything in that so much. You know, I still come from like the old school of like work with what you have. Mm-hmm. And then if you need something, we do have all of these tools now. I mean, it is incredible. And, yeah. and being able to do a split screen, even with like a different performance, mm-hmm. you know, spliced in yeah. on the other side, if you could do it, if you could stabilize it, if you can cheat it, it's great. And it's totally doable. Certainly if the camera's locked off for indie filmmakers, you can do it, which basically means you take, uh, and it, it might just be something thrown into the floor or it might be uh, two people sat next to each other, but one actor is brilliant in one side. And on the other take, the other actor is best. And the director's like, oh, if only. Well, you can now. You just switch. But I mean, it and, and it's, come on. It's like a lot of Star Wars was just green screen behind them most <laughs> yeah, of the so time. So it was easy peasy. It's focused as well, isn't it? Because if you're, if you're doing those kind of split screens, I mean, obviously on this kind of show, like no one's going to be particularly looking, uh, you know, for, for any errors in, in the VFX. But if you're focused on one thing that's absolutely vital in the story, yeah. you're probably not going to be looking at the other thing anyway. And, and I mean, that yeah. goes back to those old, you know, classics like Star Wars, where you've got the, the boom guy in shot and Indiana Jones. And, <laughs> <laughs> but you're not looking at it because everything else is so riveting. Yeah, it's, it's you're just not looking at it. Totally. And, and sometimes I'm not, like, I still, what I'm editing... I'm always looking at the actors' faces and I'm looking at, and like, Amy, there's a giant reflection, you know, the boot yeah. guy's in the mirror. And I'm like, oh my God, how did I miss that? Yeah. The camera sure. guy's standing on the bed. Well, let's talk about that then in terms of editing performance, because it seems that way, you know, like myself, I, I'm watching the performance. It's the most important thing. I feel like if, if anyone's watching the movie, TV show, whatever, and they're not, pay- they're seeing something in the background, well, they're not paying attention. We've not done our job, right? How do you find the best performances through takes and cuts what is it you look for is there anything specific a lot of it is is i i use the script a lot because it's like story beats that are written in 
And when actors follow those cues, it's really important. So I'm always looking for like those cues. And, and if, you know, a good actor is just going to like follow the character that's written for them. And if they've talked about something else with the director, or, you know, but I do, I, I, I try to make sure that like the story beats are there. And so I'm looking for that and I'm just, making sure that like they're listening, you know, to the other characters. Like that's a huge thing with me and actors. It's like, it just, you have to be listening to the other person and not think like, you can always tell when an actor is like thinking of their line, you know, it's like, I'm just waiting for my turn here. Um, <laughs> that's, it's a dead giveaway. Um, so I'm trying to avoid that. Uh, always listening and always uh, paying attention and, being in the moment, it's 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 really that's them being in the moment that's happening right there, mm. um, and story beats. It's really and yeah. that they're being true to their character. And I th I think those those moments. I mean, coming back to the sort of the family drama element, I think being emotionally invested in the characters as an audience member, I, I feel like you are you're basically going through the emotions rather than in your head if you're not if you're not emotionally connected with the characters of the detectives or the you know the, the people in the surrounding world you're going to be much more intellectual and I, I find it's those kind of things where maybe you're you're picking the holes in, in things anyway but there's an element of that connectivity that just focuses you on being there in the moment with the, with the characters obviously all the story stuff is incredibly important to no, it's really that. important and it's like when Mare makes that giant mistake at the end of episode two, you're just like, oh God, don't, you know, and like everybody, <laughs> yeah. it was a Twitter meme of like people going, don't do it, Mare. Like, <laughs> don't plot. do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just yeah. like the plan, like, don't do it. You know, there's a part of you that's like, do do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's why it's so But no, and like later, you know, in episode four, you figure yeah. out, you're like, yeah. I would have done it. I would have done it, you know, but like it took like an entire episode. Like you are, you're emotionally invested in these people. And to the point, like already, you know, an hour and a half later, you're like, don't do it. <laughs> you have to be because you yes. want people to be connected. Yeah. And, and yes, yeah, some of that was in the writing of this show. It, mm -hmm. it was amazing, but just, you know, Craig paying attention to getting all of those story beats, the director, Craig Zobel, yep. and, and the actors making sure that they're all there too. It was, it's really important. And, and that is what I look for, you know, performance wise. It's, it's, it's just, well, especially in this, like a story, like with the emotional and, and, and the whodunit, it's, mm -hmm. those are so it's, everything is just needs to blend. So. Yes, and it did. And the relationship you got between the mother as well, uh, Gene Smart and Kate Winslet, just that relationship. And I think everyone took a lot away from that, you know, the, the hatred and the simmering pain, but yet the love. And I think that was beautiful. I think, you know, it, because like we've talked about a little bit in terms of the end of a lot of these sort of detector shows, well, the end can literally be a bit of an anticlimax. It can be, a, oh, okay. What, really? Um, but what was great about this, and Dom touched on it earlier, was that family relationship and those real tight-knit bits that keep you going. And it doesn't matter if it's a little bit fluffy or whatever, because you're invested. How did you, how do you work on things like that then to make sure there's not too much hate or too much love? How do you balance that? I mean, there was a lot of, like, humour that mm. I worked really hard to make sure was there, you know, it was in the scripts and, and 
we needed to make sure that it came out in like, especially the mother daughter relationship. It was, it is, it's your relationship with your parents is always just like, it's comedy and tragedy. So it's, it's, you know, so just making sure, you know, that you understood like, why is this woman here? It's like, okay, well she moved in, you know, when the son died and she needed help taking care of another person. And she, you know, Mare resents the fact that like her mother had to like come in and help her, but she's also grateful that her mother is there to help her, but she's just going to still keep calling. You know, it's a, it's like it, making sure that you can kind of see like their whole situation, you know, just like the nudging that goes on with like, you, mm-hmm. you could have done it like this. Well, you just need to, you know, shut up. You just, I was tasked with like finding all of the humor and bringing that out and bringing it to the surface because it's, it did make our show different. I mean, mm. there were some really funny moments yeah. in between all of the sadness and the mystery and everything. It was like, these people are human beings and it, it's, it's. Yeah. And I love all that. And I think that's, you know, obviously deserved Emmy nomination here. And, and I think things like that are why. They're the reason. Because you could have easily cut those out. You're going, oh, she's just walking across the yard. Oh, come on. But but that's why the comedy elements of something like this really gave it the edge. Why everyone talked about Mayor of East End. Why there was memes saying, don't do it, Mayor, you know? Right, like the memes. I was like, oh, they're responding to the humor in our show, you know, of her, like, eating the sandwich. Like, yeah. she just went all out. It yeah. was not like she didn't. You know, Kate Winslet embraced eating the sandwich in the car, it's yeah. like where, like wherever. And, totally. Um, and I think that what, what people love as well is the fact that she didn't, and she made a point of saying, no, no, don't airbrush me. No, 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 I want to be this person. Don't, let's not make her not what she is. She is this person. And I, th- I again, that's why we loved her. And I think that's why we all really believed in her and what she was doing we really wanted her to be back on the force again and no um, there were takes where like she wasn't talking with her mouth full and it's like oh you could have chosen those and at one point i probably did and then i was like wait a minute yeah it's like the one That's where good. she's talking with her mouthful is disgusting and hilarious. <laughs> funny. It's just funny. And so I was like, I'm putting this in. I yes. don't, I, I'm not cutting away from, you know, her talking with like, <laughs> I think that's what makes something like this fantastic. And I think we should all embrace that, you know, moving forward with it. Yeah, yeah. it's relatable. It's like, yes. who yes. hasn't just like burst out in anger at somebody when your mouth is full of food, like exactly. yeah, or you're not looking your best, or you're not looking totally. Your hair's up, and someone knocks on the door. You know, and you're, just, you're not wearing the right clothes. Yeah, it's real. So I think the whole the whole production was fantastic. Dom, can I ask you how many memes? Because uh, Dom is a meme king. If anyone follows him on Instagram and his Twitter, he loves his memes. How many memes of this did you put up? Because I know you and your memes. It's like 12 a day. I, cer- <laughs> I certainly put up a few. I certainly put up a few. But I mean, st- stuff that I really like, I tend to just give them a good review. So I did. I just did a sort of a blanket review of the show. And uh... Yeah, you do good reviews, actually. They're really nice. The caring and yeah. That's funny. really good. Funny. Um, but- no, when we were working on this show, I mean, we never, yeah. you know, we're just like plowing ahead. We never thought, you know, when you're working, you just hope people are going to watch it 
and like tune in every week and and hope they like it. We never thought that like Katie Couric from the Today Show would be like tweeting about HBO, you know, breaking down of the finale, the night of the finale, like when HBO was overwhelmed here in the United right. States. Oh, it's okay. like, it shut down. Like it broke. Like the server oh, just shut down. Oh, it broke. There were so many people watching it. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Wow. You broke So HBO. Twitter, Twitter was like, we broke HBO. Yeah. Twitter just became like this giant, like grumble fest of, of like, gosh, darn it. Gosh, <laughs> darn it. HBO Max is HBO Min. It's like, <laughs> HBO maxed out. Yeah, HBO yeah. maxed out. And, and and I texted like Craig Zobel, the director, you know, Katie Kirk, going, I cannot get my HBO to work. And, and he was like, did you ever at any point when we were working on the show think that like people would be doing this? And I was like, no. Mm. So yeah. I'm just so grateful for everybody's response to the show. I just, I, I still, I can't get over it. I mean, mm. I, I'm still shocked that I got like two Emmy nominations. Do you feel like now that you're, you're working on a lot of these HBO shows, is there still the interest to go to film? Are you, are you keen to mix it up still? Always. Or? Always. Yeah. I would love to work on a feature. It would be so much fun just to kind mm. of switch gears and, do something a little more, you know, I mean, working on Mare was kind of like working out because I, I edited all the episodes and that was, it's a lot. I mean, each, each ep must feel, it must feel like a feature. It feels like you've done seven features. It yeah. was. And, and um, with one director and, yeah. you know, the, so it, that was like working on a feature. So that was kind of a nice feeling. And, and mm. oh yeah, it would be nice just to work with one director again and that'd be good. And what, what about that then in terms of working with directors and what should directors bring to an editor and watch an editor bring to a director, I suppose. What what tips? Oh uh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, like we talked before, it's like following the story beats. It's just so important, you know? Mm -hmm. And yes, bringing like your personal style to something is very important. Like whether it's the camera moving or whether it's like these, you know, tableau of like whatever you, how you like to frame shots. It's just making sure that you can see seeing the actors is really important. Like I know a lot of people love wide shots and, and wide shots are really important and good, but like but. <laughs> seeing, seeing the cogs turning in the actor's head is, it is tricky like knowing what pieces you need because it's like when you're on the set, it's a totally different thing. And, and mm -hmm. you know, check that monitor and check it, that you're kind of figuring out what what's going on because it's, um, it is important to have that. It's important to kind of see it wash over people. And that extra extra moment of you know embarrassment or or difficulty yeah. in asking for another take on set is always worth it for covering yourself in the edit because that's always, always. a lot lot worse. If you really if if you think you have it, fine. But like I you know <laughs> just make sure. I'm so empathetic to people like because I know the restrictions of time and, and it's definitely like space. It's like I can mm. tell when like a set is super tiny and like you only have like so much room to like move around and mm -hmm. to flip a camera around would be like a giant, giant like lighting movie. setup. Yeah. Yeah. So I fully understand. And that's when I try to work with like all of the limitations because they do exist. It's like, you can't turn the camera around. Sometimes you just can't, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, no, there's a highway back there and no, there's this. And I get it. So it's like, I do try to work within yeah. the limitations of what was happening because it's it's 
there is that too. It's like your your editor's jobs are tricky. Do you find, do you like to get to set as much as you can? I do. I like. You I like. <laughs> I did. I did go to East Town. I did a couple times. It was amazing seeing seeing those neighborhoods and uh-huh. seeing that town was really informative to me. And just seeing like like being in Mayor's house on that set. They built a stage. You know, they had a stage and. Um, mm-hmm just knowing like where everything is, it was fun, but just for, especially for mayor of East town, it was just knowing how like the people talk. It was a huge thing. Like the dialect in that County in Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, it's different than like the rest of the state. And so there are certain things. And my assistant and I, we went to some bars and like, you know, observed like people and listened to, you know, what music were they listening to? And sometimes it was kind of stuck in the early 2000s and the 90s. And so we did kind of work a lot of that into the show. And that worked nicely in, in, in the scripts, sort of talking about past high school uh, and musical references. But I mean, one thing I did really like about it, and I suppose maybe it's different if you're in America, but America is such a drastically big place um, to us. And there's so many shows that don't really go into sort of specific suburbs and, and, and areas and something about um, you know this, just as like with the you know the first season of True Detective, they had an incredibly distinctive visual landscape that yes. that added was like another character in in the film. And I, I think you did a very good job of sort of creating somewhere that felt very unique and that I hadn't really seen in film before. Well, that was Brad Inglesby who wrote the show um, and grew up in these towns. Like he grew up in a town right. called Berwyn, PA, which is not very far from like where Mayor lived, and. Uh, it was very important for him to have like the town set up like right, like the first shot of like the electrical plant and, and all of those little places and the woods and all of it was very, very important to him that we create that sense of place because that to him was the story, you know, it takes place here. And yeah, I, I've worked on plenty of things where it's like, it's supposed to be Chicago, but they're shooting in New Orleans. And exactly. And, uh, and it feels generic. Doesn't oh, it? Like, it does. Yeah. It just ends up feeling generic and you really do uh, make an effort to kind of ground yourself. I mean, mm. in that place, because it's really important. Like the rain, the constant rain was there, mm. you know, mm. and that, yeah. That was it. It felt real. And the coastal vibe and and some of the, when they go on a trip and, uh, you know, they get the ferry and those kind of things, it it makes a big difference. It's huge. huge. But I've worked on shows that, you know, shot in Vancouver for New York City. And I was Mm -hmm. like, this is not New York City. And if I put like horns and it's like, it's not going to feel... Right. At all. Yeah. When you go, when you're going into a new set, say you're going from the killing to Dexter, or you know Rosemary's Baby, the, the difference between them, it, it, it is quite big. You know the tone. Have you got to jump into that tone? Have you got to immerse yourself in the shows a lot and what they want? Of the, you know, they got kind of a deck. That you Dexter, definitely. Um, because I came in on like season seven, and I would, I, you know, I wasn't like a huge fan of the show when it started because I think we just had our kid and I was like, ew, gross. Yeah. Yeah. Mercury people. And I love Michael C. Hall, but I was just like, I don't need to watch this. And (laughs) and so I came back to it later and I did have to immerse myself into uh, the world of Dexter and like the way it's extremely, everything is in his POV. Even if it's like, it's seen that he's not in, it's still in his point of view. Mm. So 
because his voiceover is going to pop up like whenever. So that was a really tricky show to edit um, just in terms of that, because that was my directive. It's like everything is in Dexter's point of view. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) okay. All right. And then you're like, shit. So when I first got to that, show it was really interesting because my first day of dailies it was so fat it was like a giant scene with jennifer carpenter and michael c hall and it was like four pages long like maybe even six pages long and and it was opening like an episode where she had just discovered that he you know was the bay harbor butcher and all of this stuff and Mm. you know and, and i was like i had like three hours of dailies or something for that scene and i was just like watching it and I couldn't like stop watching. And I was like, I need to edit something. <laughs> it was like so compelling. But then it was like, once I started, it was like, okay, I get it. And then, you know, the, the rhythms of the show are a certain thing. And then my assistant came in and helped me and put in some music, which definitely helped. And I, I, I'll never forget like turning that episode over um, to the producers. They were like, wow, you really got this show. You know, for the somebody who just like edited the show for the first time, I was like, well, I do have six seasons to kind of like, <laughs> go back, like follow. But I did make that effort. You know, right. it, it's like I did make sure that I understood the rhythms of Dexter because it's yes. like when his voiceover comes in and, mm-hmm. you know, how that works. It's really tricky. It's a strange show, actually. I mean, I, I watched most of it. I think I might be a, a season down on on the, the uh, where I'm at. But... I watched it for a while and it wasn't something that immediately I would, would be drawn to, like, you know, watching a serial killer. It's probably quite a difficult thing to get people on side and it's very clever that they can do. Um, you know, I suppose it's it's also the fact that he's going after people that are much worse than him. No, it's, it's your revenge fantasy. I yeah, mean, yeah. and it plays yeah. into a huge thing. I remember we had this screening with people, like, like you rarely get to screen a show in front of an audience and... Uh, it was amazing to me who showed up, like who are the fans of Dexter? And it was like a crossboard of like so many like minorities and all kinds of like, you know, your grandma. I yeah. loved it. It was just like, it was like black people, Latino people, you know, your old grandma watching it, like kids. It's like everybody, everybody responds to that. Yeah. Cause it must be difficult to jump from show to show sometimes, you know, when you just do one episode or whatever, how do you deal with, you know, you've got your director who's, they really care about their episode. And then you've got the showrunner who cares about the whole arc of everything. How do you deal with that sometimes if there is disagreements? What's the best way for you to sort of put your stamp on it as well? Well, you know, as the editor, it's like I'm kind of always thinking of like where the show is going to go, mm-hmm. you know, because I know like what the showrunners are looking for. But when a director comes in and, and you know, they want to put their stamp on it too. So I am like, I try to help them do that as much as I can because it is important because they did shoot it. They did do everything. And so I do try to make it the thing that they want as much as possible without with gently reminding them, you know, this is the thing that, you know, we need to keep in mind, blah, blah, blah. You know, you never want to say this isn't our show, you know, (laughs) 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 which I've had friends who've actually had to say that to certain directors, like, okay, right. Stop. This isn't our show. But um, if you continue down this road, none of your episode is going to be what you're envisioning right now. So you do kind of have that. But uh, I do try to be like incorporate, 
you know, the director's intention and, and you do it. I mean, you can see the way things are filmed and, and, mm. and the way they frame certain things. And so I try to keep that as much as possible. And that is how, you know, you do put your stamp on it as a director. It's like, you know, you try to keep in the spirit of the show is if you haven't shot the pilot or the, mm-hmm. you know, the second yeah. episode, it's, yeah. it's like a show like Hunters was so funny because it completely changed in episode two, like the, the way it was shot. It, yes. you know, it was like a Swedish movie, <laughs> the first episode. And then it turned into a Tarantino movie, the second episode. Mm. Yeah. So, and that show kind of followed the second episode, which I edited throughout yeah. the series, the rest of the series. And then, um, yeah. so that was tricky. I mean, mm. it suddenly became this other thing. Yeah, because you're you're creating the show. You're correct. You're suddenly going, oh well, this, we we need to change it up because the showrunner or no, but it's like, but Jonah had made the, like in Hunters, it's like Jonah had made this decision, mm. you know. And so after you framed like everything that like Afonso, you know directed and told the story of like, there are Nazi hunters in America and there are Nazis in America. Mm-hmm. It's like the whole thing was going to shift and become this other thing where they're the hunters and they're the, yes. you know, the superhero Jewish people of 1970s. So, but amazing to see Al Pacino, I imagine, and see his rushes and see his work and his process must have been incredible. His process was insane. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it was. <gasps> he, he stays in character. You know, oh, does the he? whole time. Oh, God. Right. Wow. But but only okay. sometimes, like, he'll stay in character with his accent. But then he just kind of, like, he's like Al Pacino with a Polish accent. Right. Like, cracking wise. Like, I you love know, that. Okay. Telling, cool. like, fart jokes with a Polish accent. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, like I said, your career has gone in this wonder, you know, doing all this stuff that you've done with Gus Van Sant moving on you know, to now Craig Zabel and, and where your career is going is wonderful. I and mean, it's a huge testament to someone who's just kept going and being in that mindset of, well, this is what I love and I'm going to do it. And like I say, the success is, is it absolutely deserved. So honestly, Thank you well so done. much. Thank you. you know, Mayor of Easttown is an absolute delight. I loved it so much. I really, really did. I was so excited for the next episode. And I think in the UK they did that as far as I remember, Dom, is that right? They did two episodes in a row and then you had to wait a little bit for the next two. You had to wait for the next two. Ah! Oh my God. Yeah, it was really frustrating and annoying when you just want to binge it all in one go. And you're like, oh. I was like, but it would have been so much different if you binged it. Cause I had friends who were just texting me like, I just want to watch the next one. And I'm like, you won't, it's not, you no. will not be satisfied if you watch no, it. Yeah, you know? like, you're because right. my friends who have like binged it, you know, they missed out on the fun train. Yes. And there was a fun train in the UK. It was that fun train of everyone talking about it and memeing about it. You've got Instagram, Amy, haven't you? Tell us, tell everyone. Phantom Frame, Phantom Frame. Phantom P-H-A-N-T-O-M-F-R-A-M-E. I love that. Nice. Yeah, it's Good. from, you know, editing on the Avid and leaving yeah, pieces keeping. of frames in. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, it's like, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll take a big chunk out and I've or, left or like a piece be. of like something and then you're going through and it's like, what the fuck was that? What? It's a phantom <laughs> brain. It's a phantom brain. <laughs> it sounds like a superhero name. <laughs> it does. The <laughs> editing is this superhero. Your moonlighting? Yeah, yeah, that's a phantom brain. Listen, thank you so much. This has been yeah, thank amazing. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. I love chatting with you guys. It was great. Oh, it was it's so much fun. And and thank you. Yeah, you've done All such right. incredible shows. Yeah, so. Absolutely amazing. Honestly, Mayor of Easttown is out now. Go watch it. Go seek it out wherever you are in the world. It is absolutely 
absolutely delightful. And uh, I like Amy, if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to send the elevator back down. We will see you all next Tuesday, as always. Um, Dom, uh, tell everyone your Instagram so they can look at your memes. Go uh, on. Direct Dom Lenoir or Dom Lenoir on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. There you go. You can follow us at Filmmakers Pod on Twitter or the Filmmakers Podcast on Instagram. Thank you again, Amy. This has been amazing. Thank, Thank you so much. much. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.